All right. Good morning. It's good to have everybody here today. Beautiful day in the uh, neighborhood. I don't know why I just said that. It just came out. It's amazing what goes on in the brain every once in a while. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Sure. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I want to mix it up a little bit today. Usually we uh, don't, you know, lately we haven't been uh, doing the offering until the end of the service, announcements and, and offering, but we're going to actually do it at the, right now. But uh, uh, Brian will be coming up in just a few moments, but I just wanted to touch base on uh, the, uh, the foyer, finish, finishing the foyer fantastic fellowship Phase, no, it's not phase, that's a P. Fun, no, I don't know, it's a bunch of Fs, okay. The five Fs, but I can't remember what they are unless I write them down. People ask me, the next, the next week somebody said, well, what were the five Fs? I'm like, I don't know, fun was in there, fellowship was in there, I don't know. Put them in whatever order you want. But we're, uh, we're, gonna, we're working on finishing that, completing that. That is the completion of the, the addition. You know, if we remember when we put the addition on, uh, the, the offices got moved over because we needed more. We need more foyer uh, area, more uh, entrance area, more fellowship area after service. And uh, within that is going to be a coffee shop. Uh, the Gojo is going to be moving over there. And uh, there's also going to be a room. So if you, if you walk back there at all, and you walk over around the, the, uh, the curtain, you'll notice there's couches back there. The, the worship team prays back there in the morning. They get ready in the morning over there. And, and during the week, uh, I actually have a, a prayer meeting that meets in there of all the pastors in the valley. Uh, we meet over there on Wednesdays. So, I mean, we're, we're already starting to use that space, but it needs to be finished. You know, a curtain's okay, but, you know... It's not what it's supposed to be. But bottom line, it's not just about the, the coffee shop or it's not just about all those things. Those are, those are tools. You know, like we said about the, the, uh, the, four, or the, the uh, addition itself, the classrooms themselves, it's not about building. It's not about a building. It's about the tool. It's a tool to preach the gospel, to prepare people, and it's already happening. You know, it, on almost, I would say every night, but almost every night of the week, there's stuff going on over there, plus prayer meetings during the week on Wednesday, and but classes on uh, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights, the weekends. There, there Are there Friday nights classes? Well, Friday morning, that's right. The ladies meet there on Friday morning. And so, you know, we're, we're training up the saints to do the work of the ministry. You know, that is exactly what's happening there. And it is so nice to not have to meet in everybody's offices. I mean, you're, you know, those of you who remember back two, three years ago, uh, many times we were meeting in offices, all the offices. And, and in some ways, those offices are still being used. I know Peter's office still gets used for Thursday nights. And, you know, it's crazy. But we, we, need to, we should have added on bigger, right? You know, that's, I've heard that a few times. But it's good to finish. It's good to finish this, this part over here. And... Uh, um, what the Lord put on my heart this morning was to just remind you what our vision is. The vision of the valley is to, is to plant 24 churches, to have a network of 24 churches in the St. Croix River Valley and, and to fill the valley with the glory of God. God didn't say start a revival. He said get ready for it. And so how do you get rid of it? Because when people come into the kingdom, you know, that can happen any day, anytime, anywhere, but then they need to be trained up. 
And we need to train up the new people coming in, but we also need to be trained up ourselves to be the workers, to do the work of the ministry. And so that's the vision of our church. That's what we do. But our mission, how we do it, is just as important. How we reach the valley, how we plant churches, everything we do is based on relationships. It's based on people. It's not about buildings. You know, when we go and we plant a church, we need a place to meet, but it's not about that place. You know, uh, what's really exciting is uh, uh, just I got a text right before service from Pastor John Logan down in Prescott. He shot a picture from the back of the room. They are almost full this morning. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's just giddy, you know, he's just giddy. And, uh, you know, when John gets giddy, he gets scary. Okay, but he's giddy, all right? But it's awesome. I mean, look what God's doing. It's just, in, and because he's already saying, we need a bigger place. They, you know, they, right now the, the kids are meeting in a, 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 an electrician's office. You know, I mean, that's where the kids' class is meeting. So um, they're already looking at moving. And, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, we just got that place and we just got it fixed up. Well, it's not about a place. It's not about a building. It's about the people. How do we meet the needs of the people. And so the vision is to reach the valley, but the mission, how we do it, is building relationships through discipleship to advance the kingdom of God. And that has been that way for 20 years. I've shared that so many times, building relationships through discipleship to advance the kingdom of God. So what does that mean? It means that the, the kingdom of God is gonna move forward, but how do we do it? You can do it many different ways. You can, you can, you can order people to do it and tell people this is what you gotta do and, and boom. And, but to, what God's put on our heart is about relationships. It's about knowing people. It's about knowing each other, being there for each other, lifting each other up. Well, how do you build relationships? Well, you do it through discipleship. You do it through ministries, working in the ministry, being a part of it, fellowship, but it's also about fellowship. It's about hanging out with each other. You know, one of the, the most interesting prayer meetings that we had last year, and I know the, the, the people who come to the prayer meetings on Wednesday um, are going to laugh because you'll remember that day. You know, it was in the midst of the Rona, it was in the midst of the, 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 uh, the election, you know, whatever, you know, whatever, would actually, that, whatever that was, uh, that was wasn't political okay I was just kind of just but it was you know it was in the middle of a whole bunch of tension and in a, you know in that moment you think we need to pray we need to really just buckle down and pray and and we got in the room and we started to you know we started getting ready to meet and people started telling stories and we started laughing and an hour later, we're just one person after another, we're telling stories about, you know, different things. And at the end, it's like somebody said, wow, we didn't pray. And I was like, no, a merry heart doeth well like a medicine. It's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. It's, there's something about being together and just, and even though it's not spiritual, you know, I have to tell on myself, and, and people who know, who have, who have come over to um, our house and have had supper with us, you know, a lot of the youth have had supper with us, uh, my, my prayer before meals is not really super, you know, ecclesiastical, okay? It, it starts out, you know, thank you, Lord, for this food, and thank you for everybody who's here, and, and then, you know, thank you that somebody finally made it to the table that we've been waiting for five minutes, or, you know, you, or I insult, did you say I insult somebody? I always insult somebody. Okay, I'll just... <laughs> I don't mean it to be insulting. 
but it's the fellowship. It's relationships. God, God sits in the heavens and laughs. He likes, he likes being with us. And the finishing this foyer and making that sitting area and having the area around the coffee shop, it's going to foster relationships. It builds, it's going to be a time when somebody comes in for a meeting, uh, you know, like Karis comes in and they're running late, but there's a couple of people having coffee and maybe a sandwich or whatever. They can sit down, take a break, get ready, and it's a relationship time, then they move into their class. Or it's a time to meet afterwards for a small group and to pray for each other. Hey, it's, it is a ministry opportunity. Yes, it's a building. Yes, it's, it's stuff. It's, and it's stuff costs stuff. You know, co- you know, it costs money to have stuff. And, and so to do that, we need to finish that area. So as the Lord leads, when he leads you, uh, our goal is $100,000. We are at what, about seven now? Six something. Did you, did you show the picture of the, of the foyer expansion? Did you see the pictures? Isn't that awesome? I walked in this morning and saw that was the, one of the first ones I saw up there. I was like, that is awesome. Pastor Greg, I just love him. I, you know, I just absolutely love him. All right. So that's the, uh, the goal. $6,021, but you know, as the Lord leads, no, there's no compulsion, no force, no have to, but we aren't building it until it's paid for. So, you know, that's the other thing is that we always raise the money ahead of time. There's never a debt incur, incurred, 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 in, we never, we never hold debt. Let's put it that way. And so uh, when that's paid, when we have the money, we're going to build. Amen. Amen. All right, Brian, come on up. All right, well, I guess that's a better place for him than the White House, huh? Um, anyways. Um, it's good to be back after a couple of weeks. I'm sorry. Sorry, Deb. Um, uh, yeah, we've been gone a couple of weeks. Now I've got to step up in the world here, huh? Uh, for the folks who, who know the folks at Pomeroy, they send their greetings. Uh, we were up there last week and had a good fellowship time with them. They said to say hi. Uh, Pomeroy Chapel is a little congregation that went through some division based on doctrine. And so the remnant folks have no pastor right now. And so they contacted Karis Bible College and asked if some of us students would be willing to go up on a regular or semi-regular basis and give the word to them. And so uh, Justin's been there a number of times. There's been uh, Nate, uh, Arden, myself, a couple other people. So it's a real blessing. These people are very, very hungry for the word. And it's just a huge blessing to go up there and see people standing on principle, standing on the word, and maintaining. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's like a white schoolhouse. It's like 18 miles from anywhere and um and uh and, and so it's a it's a huge blessing they're so happy to see you there's just good fellowship time and they're very encouraging so uh they send their greetings and uh and say to to uh bless us and, and we bless them in jesus name i'm going to just uh spend a couple of minutes on the offering teaching then i'll get into into the announcements um my passage for today is Mark 4.20. A few weeks ago, we were talking about soil. Uh, we were reading about the, the soil in our Bible reading, and then Pastor John spoke about it. And so this is kind of left over from that. Uh, Mark 4.20 says, But these are the ones sown on good ground. 
Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So when we get off, give offerings to the Lord, what, what can we use as a criteria for good ground? How do we know that we're giving into good ground or bad ground? And, and what makes the difference between the two? So for me, there are three quick um, keys that I believe will show us where to give that our seeds will thrive, bringing us a 30, 60, or 100-fold harvest. Better than having our seeds sown in, in soil that will give us a stunted harvest at best. So the first one is, to me, in order to be sowing into good ground, the place we're sowing must obey the word of God, the Bible, in all things. The church or the ministry must honor the word of God, and that's more important than anything else in the church. If you want to see a harvest, you can't sow into a ministry or a church that doesn't honor God's word, doesn't believe God's word, takes out parts of God's word that it doesn't like, and refuses to obey God's word, or preaches the word from the pulpit, but does another thing behind the scenes, right? If we want to sow into good ground, we can't sow into a place that goes against God's word. Number two, in order to be good ground, a church or ministry must actually worship God, including worshiping the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. How can we tell if, they, if we worship God? Easy. The Holy Spirit has to be in control in, that, in this place. And I think it is here. That's good ground for me. There are some churches where the Holy Spirit is not in control. We see um, the clock is in control, or the schedule's in control, or man's predetermined ideas are in control, but the Holy Spirit's not in control, and the Holy Spirit's quenched. The third one is we have to sow into a place where growth is allowed. This is certainly not more important than the word of the Spirit, but if it's a place that's operating in a spirit of control, our seed is not going to grow. Why? Because growth is not allowed. If the Holy Spirit shows that he wants to do something different than what's going on or in the worship order, we have to go with the Holy Spirit. People have to lead. Don't get me wrong. There is order. But the big difference between control and leadership is that people should be encouraged to start their own ministries based upon what the Holy Spirit's telling them. People should be encouraged to branch out. We need to be salt and light to the people around us. And importantly, new ideas should be encouraged, right? In, in that ground, our seed will thrive. In order to be a place for good ground, there has to be an environment where growth is encouraged. So the bottom line is that our seed cannot thrive if we cannot thrive. Our seed cannot grow if we cannot grow. If we're going to reap a good harvest, we have to sow into good ground. And in order to be a good ground, we've got to be in a place that's thriving and where people are thriving. Obviously here, there are a lot of good missions that represent good soil for us to sow seed into. We see the results of the teaching of the children's ministry. We see the results of the teaching in the youth and young adults ministry. And we see the results of the preaching of the word that's done here on a weekly basis. For me, the ministries of RVFM are good soil producing good fruit. So having said that, there are various ways to give, right? We can give here at the, the box, affectionately known as the Ark of the Covenant. 
in the back. There are envelopes and pens. You can give online at rvcc.info slash donate. There's a PayPal button on the bottom. You can bring your offering into the church office Monday through Thursday, 9 to 3, or you can mail it in to RVCC, 5900 Lake Elmo Avenue North, Lake Elmo 55042. So right now I'll pray over the offering and, and thank you for your time. Father God, we do thank you that you are the one who gives us the ability to produce wealth. Father, you've given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And we thank you, Father, that you've given us the opportunity to sow into this ministry and other godly ministries. Father, we ask your blessing today on the seed that people sow, on their offerings and tithes. And we ask your blessing on them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was meeting with an old Lutheran yesterday, and he said, you're going to start potlucks? And I says, well, we're not quite at that stage yet, you know, but I grew up with potlucks, and they had Ludafis and Lefsa. Now, it was, I saw a guy take out a piece of Lefsa. I didn't know what it was. And he took it out. It was rolled up like little bread, and he put some butter on it. And I said, that poor fellow, I think he's eating paper, you know. I'm not sure, but I think he's eating paper. But anyway, uh, so that's, we're not quite ready for potlucks yet with all this nonsense going on. And so that's the way it is. Um, But I'd like to um, introduce, uh, I'd like to read Acts 2, verse 42 through the end of the chapter, if anybody got the ability to put that up there, that wouldn't be so bad. The Fellowship of the Believers, Acts 2, 42 through the end of the chapter. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were saved. It's kind of a recipe for a church, you know. um, Continue in the apostles' teaching, training the saints. I think our church does a very good job at equipping this, at training the saints. We have a lot of wonderful teaching going on, great preaching, that sort of thing. And uh, Brian's teaching, we we equip the saints you know, through continue in the apostles' uh, teaching. We have fellowship. We meet together on a Sunday morning. We worship, you know. That creates a certain level of fellowship. And, but then it goes on to breaking bread and prayer. Um, all are needed. When all are um, operational then that brings strength to a body. And it brings unity to a body. And out of that strength and unity, they saw great miracles. 
they saw signs and wonders. And that, that was kind of the pattern and the result. <clears throat> now I'm going to talk about fellowship this morning. Building a community. Building a community. Uh, what I, you know, what happens when you come into a new church and you see established relationships, which are great, you know? I mean, that's what a church is, a group of people that know each other, get together, but you come in as new. You know, how do I get into that? You know, how do I, how do I get to be part of the family? You know, so what, what I thought we should do, and fellowship takes work, and it takes intentionality. The fellowship in a marriage, it takes work, and it takes intentionality, you know, to build that relationship. A lot of times you got to say, like I did last week, four or five times, I'm sorry. You know, that's just, that's just the way it is. My dear wife, Linda, asked me what I was good at, and I said, repenting. <laughs> she knew I couldn't fix nothing, but she, I knew how to repent, because I had a lot of practice. <laughs> so it needs to be worked at, it needs to be intentional. We are a family. We have the same father. And the same spirit flowing through our in our in our hearts, the same spirit. So we are a family. So next Sunday after church, we're going to kick off our invitation to fellowship. About 20 minutes after the service, there'll be a light lunch. And it'll be very informal. So it's going to be the first and third Sunday for the next four months. We're going to do this. Everyone is welcome. I was going to try and figure out who should come and who shouldn't come, but I'm going to say everyone is welcome. We got a lot of room over there. Yes, we, do. we got a lot of room. <laughs> you know? We got space and we need grace. So we got a lot of room over there. Y'all come. Y'all have a ham sandwich. You know, except you non pork eaters, we got turkey for you. <laughs> That'll be the way that is. So y'all come. It's an opportunity to meet and to visit, you know, to build relationships, to build fellowships. We don't want to stand in our corner and say, this is the people I know, this is the people I trust, you know, and that's good to a point. But in a church, it has to be different. The Bible says, come to me, all you are who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All. So, we, uh, we want to welcome and, you know, we, we want to build a family here. You know, we want to build a family. And hopefully that will grow into more relationships, more opportunity for fellowship. I don't know. But this is where I felt from the Lord to, to start a process here. And uh, I, hope, I just pray the Lord blesses it. And afterwards, I'll be out there if anybody got any questions or anything like that. If I'm not up here praying, and and we'll see what happens. I will be up here praying. <laughs> so I'm counting on the anointing. Amen. Your turn, young fellow. Doesn't he look nice today? His wife said his wife said he keeps him well dressed. You know.
Thank you, Jim. My wife was a re my wife was a registered nurse. I said I'm an RN too, a registered nut. For any of you who are wondering, Jim is our lead elder here at the church. And you see why. I was, I was thinking there for just a moment he was channeling Vern Norton. You know, when he, we're having ham sandwiches. <laughs> for those of you who know Vern Norton, uh, love him. Miss those guys, amen? Amen. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. <laughs> now I'm doing it. What is it? Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Okay. I'm going to settle down. Everything's going to relax. <laughs> happy place. Happy place. Happy place. Second Timothy chapter 4. Oh, I got so many thoughts going through my head right now. Years ago, I was, I was joking. You ever hear those old uh, TV preachers that always oh, talk the lack of this, you know? And I... I I did that jokingly one time, and, and a friend of mine goes, a pastor friend of mine says, you got to stop doing that. He says, because you'll end up doing it when you don't expect to. I was like, yeah, I, 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 I repent. I repent, you know? So, uh, yeah, crazy stuff. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. This is Paul writing to Timothy. And he says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort, with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, they will accumulate themselves to them for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Brian alluded to that this morning. You know, not every church you go to is really a church. That's a harsh statement, but it is the truth. Not every church, because the true church of Jesus Christ the church isn't a place. Remember, we, do, we just talked about that. A church isn't a building. Church isn't a place. Church is the people. When, when the, the first century church, we're, we're talking about the church, they're talking about the ecclesia, the, the, the called out ones, the ones who are a part of the kingdom of God. And so nowadays, I mean, obviously 2,000 years later, the, the terminology has, has morphed and, and, and people call things what they aren't and, and words, words don't have the meaning that they're supposed to. Words, words have all kinds of crazy meanings now. You can, you can mean a word to mean whatever you want, you know. I'm down with that, you know. I'm down with that. You know, the first time I was like, I heard that, I was like, what, what are you, you're down? You're, you know, like, you're depressed? And they're like, oh, you're so old, you know. <laughs> well, apparently, I'm down with that means I'm up with that. You know, I'm good with that for us old people. That means, hey, that's a good thing. Who knew? But, you know, things, words change. So we need to understand what the words 
are, were, were when they were originally used, and church meant the called out ones, those who were among the kingdom. But nowadays, you can put church on anything. You can put church on, a, on something that doesn't even believe that Jesus is, is God. There are places out there, there's, there's a, you know, I don't even want to call them denominations because that deludes that word. There is a group of people who meet who call themselves a church. They don't even believe Jesus Christ is God. You're not the church. Well, what if you offend them? I don't care. They need to know the truth. I, you know, that's the thing. That's the thing. I'm so tired of being so politically correct. Or, I'm not politically correct. I mean, you know, the, anybody who knows me understands I've never been politically correct. Have no intention of being politically correct. But I get tired when other people are politically correct. Because, well, I don't want to offend somebody. No, they need to be offended. If they're, if they're, if they're purposefully being ignorant... Or if they're purposely being wrong or, or trying to deceive somebody else, they need to be told, you're wrong. You know? I mean, my kids, we, we, we joked about it last week. I was joking about it with, with Tally. You know, she goes, she goes my, my friends say, wow, I, you never get, you know, her friends, her friends tell her, you never get offended. She goes, well, I grew up with my dad. I mean, I still remember it as a little tiny child. I mean, she was like three, four years old, and you know, kids, you know, kids, you know, uh, you know, Daddy, that's not fair. I was like, life's not fair. Amen. And I said every time they would say, "That's not fair," I don't care. It's, life's not fair. Get used to it. And I still remember one of their friends was over, and I just, I said something or did something, and the friend said to me, "That's not fair." And, and three years old, Tally looks at her and goes, "Life's not fair." <laughs> Train them up the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Truth is truth. There are some churches that are preaching stuff. That's not truth. My goodness. Man, I would, I would hate to get to heaven and have God look at me and go, whoa, you just wasted your life. Because you were, you were teaching people. You not only were wrong yourself, you were teaching people wrong. I'd rather tell you the truth and have it offend you than to make you feel good going home today. Truth is truth. Not every church. And, and Paul says, you know, time is coming. Now, obviously, obviously, if you, if you know church history at all, if you know anything about church history, you know, Heresy started almost immediately. I mean, the, one of the first heresies, and I'm going to lose the, the word, it's right on the tip of my tongue, where they believe that Jesus wasn't actually a physical manifestation of God, just a spiritual one. What's the, where the, the mystery? The, myst, no, uh, not mysticism, it's Gnosticism. Who said that? Jim, look at that. Give that man a gold star. He gets a Gnosticism. Gnosticism came out right away. Well, you know, he really didn't come in physical form. That's why Paul or Peter, whoever had to write it and says, John wrote it. John wrote it. He said, he said that, you know, if any spirit comes and said Jesus did not come in the flesh, they're not from us. 
oh, that's offensive. We want to be from you. No, you're not part of us. Well, you're not very inclusive. Exactly. <laughs> I had somebody tell me years ago, probably almost 30 years ago, when I was sharing, you know, I was sharing my faith and I was explaining to them, and, and I said, no, that's sin. And they said, wow, you're really narrow-minded. Yep. And I went, yeah, I am. Because wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the, pl- the path that leads to life. I would rather tell you there's a narrow path because the wide path isn't going to get you there. And he said, so right away, Paul is saying people are going to come and they're going to try to gather to themselves people who will try to tell you anything you want to hear just to win you over, have you under their control, get your money, whatever it is. I'd rather tell you the truth and have you get mad at me and leave because when you stand before God, you can't say, well, he said... I'm okay. Sorry, no, you're not okay. If, if you're not okay. If you, you guys are okay. Yeah. Far as I know, as of the moment. But if you're not, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to let you know. But they, you're welcome. For the time is coming when people will not endure, verse 3, will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Do you want to know why the world is the way it is today? It's because people have been allowed to believe whatever they want. Whatever I, whatever. I, <laughs> I, was, at, I was at a place, uh, I was at a, at a, I was at a, I don't know how to explain it. I was at, all I can, I don't want to say the name and give you the, give, it's not an advertisement, but anybody here know what BMO is? building materials outlet it's this humongous warehouse full of windows and doors it just makes me tingle and i just i was i was walking through it and and a guy was i was looking at at a piece of lumber and this guy was piling stuff on my piece of lumber that i was looking at and he goes oh dude i'm so sorry do you want me to move that and i said no, no no i'm good i can see this and and i said uh and he goes well hey whatever feels good do it and i went you don't want that And then life isn't about whatever feels good, do it. There is truth. And, the mo- and a lot of times that truth's hard. And it's, it's not, you know, so if I tell you the truth, if you tell somebody, you, people need to know the truth. Nothing worse in the world than standing at the end and your neighbor is standing over there who you never told the truth to. You ever heard of, uh, what's his name, Booth, uh, the guy who started uh, Salvation Army? William. William Booth. William Booth died. If you ever heard the story, his, his testimony, he died. And he, he was on his way to heaven. He was, he, was at the, he was in heaven. And he said people were coming to him and go, oh, William, how, have you, you, did you witness to my brother? No, I didn't witness to my, your brother. Oh, oh, William, next person. Well, William, did you witness to my aunt, you know, your next door neighbor? And he goes, no, I, I didn't. I didn't share Christ with, no. And people were coming to him, go, oh, did you, did you? And he's like, no. And about, you know, I don't know how many people came to him. The, one of them was Jesus. And he goes, do you get it now? Do you understand? And he goes, yes. And it, he came back into his own body. He lived, whatever situation, whatever sickness he was dealing from. And he started the Salvation Army and began preaching the gospel to everybody reaching out 
Verse 5. As for you, always be sober-minded. Are you now sober-minded? I just, did I bring you to a place of being, this is, this is real, this is sober. This is, this is important. Life is important. Life is full of all the joys, all the great family stuff, places. You know, all of that is awesome. But what's really important is eternity. But as for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Oh, here we go. Do the work of, the, of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Now, yes, Timothy was a minister. Timothy was, was put in to oversee a church or a group of churches. He had a full, you know, full-time, five-fold ministry. But those verses weren't written just to Timothy. They were written to all of us. Every one of us. Do the work of the ministry. You know, somebody said something, we were, I, I get into conversations all the time this week, I was talking with, with someone and, and uh, I said, hey, my job is not to do the work of the ministry. It isn't. Ephesians tells me that. My job is not to do the work of the ministry. Now, I do do the work of the ministry because I'm also a Christian. But it's my job as a pastor to train the saints to do the work of the ministry, to train you, to get you, to spur you on, to tell you the truth so much you get annoyed with me, to where you hear my voice all the time. Not, did you, are you good or bad? That's between you and God. But are you doing the work of the ministry? Because Paul also writes, when I get to heaven, you guys are going to get judged. I get judged twice. That's a very sobering thought. That's why, you know, I've had many people tell me, you're too honest. You say, you know, you're, you say you, you, you're too truthful. You, t- you tell things the way it is. I say, yeah, you're darn right I do. Because I am going to get judged twice. I'm going to get judged for what I did with my life, but I'm also going to get judged by how I led you. That's sobering. Extremely sobering. Verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. That's where I wanted to get to today. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Ever since the week devoted to God, if you remember when I spoke on Friday night of the week devoted to God, I spoke on Gideon about the fight, but they were going into a battle. And that life is a fight. This world is a fight. We're in a fight. If you didn't know it, 2020 showed you we're in a fight. It's time to fight. It's time to, there's a battle going on. And it's a battle for the hearts and minds, the hearts and souls, hearts and spirits of human beings. And it's getting very defined. It's getting very clear. Even within the church, it is getting very clear which team you're on. Which team anyone is on? Which side? Which kingdom? Throw whatever out there. And that's what I'm saying. What, what Brian said, there are churches who are calling themselves churches that are not in the kingdom. Yeah. Oh, well, you're, now you're judging. Yes, I get to judge that. We get to judge that. That's, that's gospel. Now, what we don't get to judge is, well, how could they do that? <laughs> we could all be wrong at any time. That's why we stay humble, because we could be wrong. We need to be humble that if somebody else comes and says, hey, you're doing it wrong, show me in the word. Whoa, there it is. Shoot. I repent. 
<laughs> Love what Jim said. I'm good at repenting. Yes, be good at, because some people aren't good at repenting. Some people, some people are so full of pride, I'm never wrong. I'm so wrong much of the time. I just consider, I, 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 I just assume I'm wrong until I'm proven right. That, but you need to be humble. And we need to, we need to assume, hey, I need to be teachable because I don't know everything yet. God, there's, I mean, the word is constantly convicting me. I'm constantly in the word and go, ooh, ow. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me. Sorry for that attitude. You know, at the beginning, it was some real bleh. Now it's attitudes. Now it's mindsets. Now it's, you know, you know I mean, it's not, it's still bad. Sin is sin. But, you know, at, at least, you know, I haven't killed anybody lately. So I'm forgiven for that, you know, if that were to have ever happened, which it didn't. I know, see, I just killed the mood in the whole room because I'm just, that was a joke. I'm so sorry. We'll move on. I should have used but robbed a bank or something, but I didn't. All right. Fight the good fight. We'll go back to that. Verse, uh, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. We're in a fight. And that fight has to be won. It must be one. It will be one. Here's the great thing. Here's the most amazing thing. You're in a fight that you win. You are going to win this fight. Whatever battle you find yourself in right now. And as I look around the room, as I look around the room, every single one of us is in some battle. And what do I mean by that? Satan's trying to tell you that the word of God doesn't apply to that area of your life. God's trying, or the, the, the devil's trying to tell you you're going to lose, you're sick, you're, you're broke, you're, you're financially in trouble, you're, you're not safe, you're, not, you're in the wrong place, you're doing the wrong thing. Constantly, constantly, you are being bombarded by God's not good and he's lying to you. God's not good. He, he hasn't healed you. That's a lie. But that bombardment, that bombardment, that God doesn't have a plan for your life. He does have a plan for your life. And that plan is good. That's the other side is, well, God may have a plan for my life, but it may not be good. No, it's good. I'll tell you right now, it's awesome. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Is there, is there moments of, of, of work and, 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 yeah, but it's amazing. Just keep moving, keep believing him, keep working with him, keep heading in that direction. Does not matter what this world does right now. Really, this fight we win. No, really, we do. Well, but did you see the news? Yeah, I actually, I've started watching the news and I've actually got to the point where I laugh when I see it now. I saw something this morning, I had to text my brothers. I was like, dude, this isn't even satire. This is just funny right here. I can't tell you what it is because it gets political and my wife would be upset. I just, we're not going there. <laughs> if you want to ask me later, maybe. <laughs> it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what the economy does. It doesn't matter if the world shuts down, you're going to prosper. Ah, that's where the fight is. Just while you go, well, what, a, what about... Man, I have talked to so many people that this last year is weird and as goofy and as odd and as crazy as this last year was. They've moved forward. Amen. 
with their lives. They move forward. That's what the kingdom's all about. You're part of a kingdom that is not affected by the world. Well, you're just sticking your head in the sand. No, I'm putting my head in him. I'm letting him affect my brain. I win. It doesn't matter what what comes against me. I win. I heard a great sermon recently. Boing. (laughs) Whatever, Whatever Satan throws at you just bounces right off. He cannot win. I, I got a verse that'll, that'll uh, back that up. Go to 1 Peter real quick. We'll come back up here to, to Timothy in just a second. I think it's for, hang on. Oh, there it is. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 5. And I'm going to read verses on both sides of it because it's good to see things in context because I'm not just making stuff up here. This is real. But there's always qualifiers for it too. For, for, that, for that to work in your life, for the word to work in your life, there's, you have a responsibility. He doesn't just do it, you have the responsibility. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 6, says, humble yourselves. That's, what, that's the qualifier. Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. There was a time, probably now, whew, close to 20 years ago i read these verses and and it was like you ever heard of a rhema word from god it was like this one is for you i read the i read the word all the time it's for me but this one was like and and the lord had me read this every day it seemed like for a year over and over humble yourself well i am humble Humble yourself. And then, and then about every day I had, a, I had an opportunity to humble myself under his mighty hand. And in due season, in, in the right time, you will be exalted. Let him exalt you. But it means you have to humble yourself first. You have to say, okay, God, I don't, I don't know how to deal with this situation right now. I, I'm, Lord, it's your deal. I don't know. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. He tells you to do something, going, I don't want to do that. Well, humble yourself. Do what he told you to do. If it's weird, you know, if it seems counterintuitive, seems counterintuitive. God's, God's telling somebody here. He's telling you he, that you need to do something that sounds, that's counterintuitive. That's not the way everybody else does it. That's right, because you're not everybody else. You're you, and he knows the path that you're on. And he needs you to obey him. Because when you humble yourself and you go in that direction, you go, that doesn't make any sense. You know, I, I have to be, and I'm going to be honest, it's been long enough now. 20 years ago when I came to this church, 22 years ago, what, 2000, yeah, 22 years ago when we came here, it was a lateral move. And this church was going through a church split. It was rough. And I, was, I walked out of a job where I was, you know, very secure. I was told, you're never leaving here. This is, this is the best place. You're, you're going to help us here, Bob, for years. I wasn't going to leave. And then this opportunity came up, and I prayed about it, and God said, do it. I had somebody say to me, it's a lateral move. You're not making any more money. You're, not, you're, just, you're, you're, pulling up, you're getting into more of a mess. And I said, yeah, but this is what God told me to do. Praise God I obeyed. You're so blessed because I obeyed. Humble yourself, humble yourself, humble yourself. See, every time, you know. But you know what I'm saying? It, it, it doesn't always make sense 
to do what God tells you to do in the natural. But that's where the battle is. That's the fight. The fight is trying to tell you that's dumb. Don't do that. And the Spirit of God saying, follow me, humble yourself, follow, do it, do it, do it. And you do it, and all it's like, oh my gosh, look what God has done. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Here we are again, be sober-minded. Isn't that interesting? Be serious. Think about this stuff seriously. Don't, don't just hear what I'm saying this morning and then go, oh, that was wonderful. See you next week. And go live your life like the world lives. Being afraid. You know, he says, cast your anxieties. My anxieties are cast on him. I'm to the point where I, pff, the world can do whatever it's going to do. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to live my life for him. I'm going to humble myself and obey him. That's just, and you know, it's way easier that way. Yeah, we, I'll, you know, I'll do whatever he tells me. If it's political, I'll be a part of it. You know, if I need to, whatever. I'll, I'll be a citizen. I'm going to be, but I'm also first a citizen of the kingdom. And that just brings peace. I'm not worried about it. Well, what if they pass laws that you can't have church anymore? Oh, they can't do that. I mean, they can cast any, but we, we will still have church. Don't even, I mean, we, that's not, I, okay, stop right there, stop right there, okay. Be sober mindful, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He is constantly looking for you to fall. That is his, that is his goal, his, the, his kingdom is constantly wanting you to destroy yourself by listening to him, by believing him. When he says God's not good, he's a liar. But the moment you believe that, it destroys you. And he does, that's what he's doing. That's, that's, his, that's what he does. Why? Because he hates God. And he hates anything that looks like God. And you look like God. You were made in his image. And he hates you. So he'll, he'll lie to you, tell you, hey, get into this relationship. Woo, woo. And if it's not the relationship God told you to get into, it'll destroy you. It will. And cause other pain. But here's the thing. He prowls around like a roaring lion. You know, he's not a roaring lion. He doesn't have the ability to destroy you. Why? Because Jesus said, remember in the garden, he says, I pray that you protect him. Don't take them out of the world, just protect them there. That, par- that prayer was powerful. That prayer covered you, and the only way, the only way he can attack, that he can harm you, or like actually harm you, is if you step out of the grace of God and you believe him. You start believing him, he will destroy you. Now, you can repent in a second and get back in there and be under the grace again. I've done that many times. When I realize, oh, dude, I'm in the wrong place. Lord, I'm so sorry. Humble myself. I humble myself. And I'm moving in the direction with you. But he's like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Here's how we fight. We're in a fight. So ever since the week devoted to God, 
I preached that sermon about Gideon and uh, uh, talking about the fight. I've just been meditating on fight. And not fight, like, I think we had a year of fight, didn't we? A number of years ago, those have been around for a while. We used to have words of the year, and, and, and you know, that was great at the time. It's what we needed to do, but, you know, people didn't like my words of the year. They were, they were not always, you know, warm and fuzzy. So one year was, was truth. One year was truth, you know, and the year of truth. And I still remember about nine months into the year of truth, a man who doesn't, they don't go to church here anymore, you wouldn't even know him if I, if I said it. He came up to me about nine months later and he says, I need to repent to you. I was like, why? I don't know anything. He goes, he goes uh, this just got found out about my marriage. My wife just found this out about me. And he said, I knew nine months ago, this was the year I was gonna, he said, the day you stood up here and said, that this is the year of truth, he says, I've been scared ever since. And he said, now it's come out. But he says, I'm free. Because he's, he repented. And he dealt with it. We had a, a year, though, it was a year of fight. And fight isn't, okay, let's go, folks, you know. It's not a fight against flesh and blood. It's a fight against principalities and powers, against every lofty thing, everything, every lofty idea that raises itself above the name of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the knowledge that Jesus, what he revealed himself to be, who he revealed God to be, God is good, God is a healer, God is a blesser, God, is, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God forgiven you, God, God is for you, not against you. All those are the knowledge of Jesus Christ and much more. But our fight is against every thought that tries to lift itself above that thought and you have to fight that with everything that you are. Everything. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by all your brotherhood around the world. If you look, if you look around the room, every one of us is in some fight. Some, something's trying to tell us it ain't gonna work out. It's not gonna work the way you think it is. You're, you followed God into the wrong rabbit hole this time. That's a lie. That's a lie. Verse 10, and after you have suffered a little while, because it is a suffer. The fight is, is it, it's, it's a, you, any fight is a suffer. Anytime you, have, you fight anything, it's a, football players. Anytime you go on that field, that game is really a fight. That's what it is. It's a fight. It's, they have rules to keep somebody from getting killed, theoretically. But it's a fight. Every sporting event, every, it, it's all and it's hard, man, you're worn out and you're tired and whatever, but when you win that game, you forget about how hard it was and you think about how awesome it was because we just won. It, everything is a fight. When you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has, has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He's the one who does it. I don't have to establish myself. I don't have to prove myself to anybody. I just need to obey him. When I obey him, and it's happened many, many times over the last 30 years, where somebody has challenged me about this, X, Y, Z, doesn't matter, and I don't hold a grudge against anybody because they're not doing it against me. Jesus said, when somebody comes against you, they're not coming against you, they're coming against him. Good luck. 
I can rest in that. And every time, he is confirmed. Every time, he is restored, confirmed, is strengthened, and established. Amen? Amen. Go back to 2 Timothy, and we'll close. Verse 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, he's talking, about, he's talking about all these incidental things where he says, hey, bring my cloak, get my stuff, have what's-his-name come, get Mark. And he's telling, he's telling the Timothy to get these things ready to, to come to, to Paul. And we get to verse 14. It says, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of Alexander, beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. That's a fight. That's part of the fight. What the Lord has put on my heart is to define the fight. What is the fight that we're facing? Part of it is opposition. Somebody's going to tell you, whoa, you're one of those kind of Christians? You really believe this whole born-again thing? You really believe that? Wow, you are so narrow-minded to not think that everyone's going to heaven. Well, the truth is, not everybody's going to heaven. The Bible says that. Unless a man be born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. It's the truth. Well, that, that hurts my feelings. I'd rather hurt your feelings than have you go to hell by me saying you're okay. Truth is truth, eh? That's a fight. That's a fight. At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. You know, he's saying everybody ran. Everybody ran. But he goes, hey, I'm not blaming anybody. Life, life is hard, and everybody's got to make their own choice. Part of the fight is sometimes you have to stand all by yourself. College, you go to college, you have to, sometimes you have to stand all by yourself. It'll be great to have friends. It'd be great to have somebody stand with you, but that's not always the case. There are times when you are all by yourself. In the workplace, there are times, most of the times, when you're all by yourself. You're the only light. Hey, I know what that feels like. I've done that many times. I'm not talking about here. Here, we're all, you know, there's a bunch of lights. But I work jobs all the time. I, my first 10 years, of coming back to the Lord, we're spent in very dark places. Having to be light, just having to be obedient. Boy, it'd been nice to have somebody else stand with me, but that's not always the case. And I don't blame anybody. Find out later, oh, I'm a Christian too, I just didn't want to say anything. Thanks a lot. But I don't hold it against them. They, have to, they stand before you know, God themselves, not for me. The fight, we're going to be talking about the fight. Don't fear the fight. Don't fear the fight. The fight is not what you, it's not, the fight is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. You don't have to fight this fight. All you got to do is believe him. So then what do you believe? Believe what the word says about him and follow him. Let's all stand.